Welcome to another episode of the Idle Class Podcast. I'm Cody Ford, and I'm hanging out here with my co-host, Dylan Dooms. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Today, we have a photographer here in the studio, Marsha Lane Foster. Uh, Marsha does a lot of things, just uh, visual art, uh, photography, and doing a a little work for us right now on our upcoming uh, collector's issue as well. So very excited to have Marsha here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Well, Marsha, if you would, just tell us a little bit about your your background. Uh, My background as a whole or my art background? Maybe an abridged version, because if your background as a whole influenced the art background. Oh, definitely. Um, Well, um, I have always done everything backwards in my life. (laughs) So um, I had my children really, really early. And so I'm relatively young now. My kids are grown up, and I guess I, I need a baby to focus on. So art became my focus about, um, well, fine art became my focus about three to four years ago. Um, I've been, always been enamored with, um, I've always been enamored with um, photographs as a kid would just pour over National Geographic magazines, try to figure out how the, how the photographs were made and read the read the text so um, in my world photographs and words are inseparable and so that is kind of how it evolved as a child and then whenever my children were starting to get a little older I was really um, still interested in photography and so bought myself a camera for Christmas one year and that was probably 15-16 years ago and you know we'll go to the library and check out 12 books the limit all out of the photography section and and pour through all of them and then take them back and get 12 more so I've been really just threw myself headlong into anything that had to do with imaging um, about 15 years ago and here I am today (laughs) doing what I'm doing cool Um, I I like that the the where you're talking about going to the library and checking out like 12 books Um, that's kind of a cool like almost like a life hack of like learning uh, quickly and learning a lot in a mass amount yeah um and and not having to be like going uh, traveling abroad to learn it or or go into some um giant workshop conference thing you Mm -hmm. can just you're just doing it diy you're going getting these books reading about it do you think that helped gain your um gain the style that you have or, or probably I mean I see myself kind of as a life hacker as a whole because I didn't go to college I didn't go to art school and I'm just one of those people who figures things out as I go and if I if I want to know something then I just figure out how to how to learn it and find it out and um, copy for a while you know imitate until you can innovate <laughs> yeah. and then I'm finally at a point in my career where I can innovate and I feel like I'm creating things that are uniquely me now mm. that's cool and, and I noticed that you said 15 16 years ago and me I always kind of circle back to this with anything about I always use technology a lot when I talk about art and uh, yeah the um, one thing I've always noticed is how 15, 16 years ago, how much technology changed how we interact and share our works and um, and how we're able to learn too. Um, do you think like that made it advantageous to start at that point in time where this started to build up into like this 
social network that we've created, which because it kind of started maybe about 15, 16 years ago. Yeah, well, I didn't really get into the social network and stuff until I started my business about eight years ago, Freedom Dreamer Photography. Um, so before that, I wasn't a super technical person. I mean, I did what I had to do with technology at my job, but um, and that's been my biggest challenge in being a photographer because that it is, I mean, it's always been a technical job, but now it's a it's a technical job in the sense of technology, mm-hmm. which I guess tech, it was technology back then before our, what we know as technology, but that's been my biggest learning curve is learning how to do the technical part of it because I feel like I've pretty much always had the vision, but how do I translate the vision using the tools that I have? Mm-hmm. So what, what, where did you start on that aspect? Like where, where did you start learning how to do that? Go bring the technology level up on your art. In, doing it, that. doing it in process and, um, getting up in people's faces and, <laughs> and asking questions. And, you know, even when I was in the corporate world, that's how that was my mo that's how i operated if i wanted to know something and i wanted to move up in the company and i always did because i've always had the same this unsatisfied ambition within me and you know i would get someone say teach me how to do this not everybody's willing to teach you (laughs) because they they're threatened by that but um like for instance um when i first started my photography business there was a photography a photographer down the street and i walked into her studio one day studio one day and started talking to her She's one of my very best friends now, um, and I I learned from her. But she was willing to she was willing to teach and to tell what she knew she knows. And and not everybody's that way. Mm-hmm. But in turn, I try to um, be that person to new people now. When someone has a question or they want to talk about photography, they want to start a business, whatever, I'll sit down and tell them anything that I know. I'll dump it on them. And then if they can if they can survive that, then they're the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> that means they're dedicated then. Have have there been any other um, mentoring type programs or individual relationships that have helped you along the way? Um, yeah, I've been to some I don't know if mentoring type programs, but I've been to some photography seminars and from going to those picked out the the instructors that I felt you know, that spoke to me the most and then followed those people closely. One being Brooke Shaden. She's been a huge inspiration for me. And her work is quite a bit different than mine in that she does lots and lots of post-process. And I don't do lots of post-process. I like to get what I want in the camera. But I think part of that goes back to that I'm not a super technical person. So by picking out those few people that, that... I've chosen to follow, then they have influenced my practice. Um, one thing I was, uh, you, your studio is based out of Rod, downtown Rogers. Yeah, downtown Rogers is where I've been since the beginning. Wow, yeah. Um, so, like, how's the, what's the movement you think going in, in with downtown Rogers and its art now? Um, it's definitely picking up and, and gaining speed. Um, you know, they have the Thursday art walks now, and that's a really great thing. Um, I would like to think that I influenced that some because about two years ago I had a friend who wanted to exhibit and I have this space and I just said you know what I'll put on an art show for you and so that grew into doing um, eight or nine art shows every other month over the course of about 18 months and um, where I would host two artists in my studio and 
um, have an art show on a Friday evening, a pop-up show. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that that kind of sparked some interest in downtown and the chamber decided to start doing the art walks. And uh, one thing I would like to see is more galleries in downtown mm-hmm. Rogers because we have, you know, we have Ed Cooley, um, but we need some galleries that, in my opinion, are not that he's not cutting edge, but more cutting edge. I, I personally love contemporary art. And mm-hmm. so I would love to see some contemporary art galleries that bring in a lot of different artists um, um, that gallery only showcases his work yeah, it's right? only his work yeah. i mean it's stunning and it's amazing um but somewhat traditional um i would love to see some non-traditional galleries come in that really stretch people's imaginations mm-hmm. yeah i know i've seen like the i know one thing i was thinking it was the experimental house the rogers experimental house they've done a little bit of that oh that's had a huge uh, I, I forgot to mention them but they've had a huge impact in on art in downtown rogers and exhibiting people who may have never had an opportunity to exhibit before that and that's kind of what i did with my galleries is you know I had a couple of established people come through but i want to take someone who's never had the guts to put their stuff out there before and mm-hmm. you know and help them and mentor them and push them a little bit and exhibit them and then i've watched these people's art um careers just blossom after they exhibit with me the first time there's something that changes in you the first time you exhibit and you're you're like i can do this i can really do this people want to see what i make yeah yeah yeah, i can see that it it, it is it it can be rewarding to when you do your first show and then build off of that um so how how long did you say again you've been doing the your gallery within your studio? Um, for about 18 months. The last one I did was in March. Um, and I'm kind of taking a little break from them right now. And it's gotten to the point where the word's gotten around and people contact me pretty frequently, mm-hmm. frequently saying, I want to exhibit with you. But um, I really felt like I needed to take a step back and kind of gather up my thoughts and my and my emotions about all of it and let some of the lessons sink in and then also take some time to focus on my own art and I have done that since March I've been really really working on doing a lot of calls for entry um, you know grant applications Mm -hmm. and um, I'm right on the verge of maybe applying for some artist residencies and I'm not mm-hmm. really sure how that's going to work with my business and everything, but you got to put it out there and see what happens. Hmm. I know uh, I, one thing, uh, how do you find balance when you want to do um, like your commercial, like your more commercial like mm-hmm. work and um, want to do your residencies as well? Like, right. Finding that balance, you find it difficult to do that? Or? Well, I mean the balance dance for me right now is, spending time on what pays the bills, which is my boudoir studio. So um, I primarily shoot intimate photography for women. It's known as boudoir is the genre. And so that's what pays the bills. And I mean, I have made some money with art, but um, having that balance between I have to do this so that I know that I can keep the studio doors open, but then I really want to be doing this. I really want to be making my art and applying for for grants and things like that it's not something that i feel like i figured out yet it's still in process um but it's a dance yeah i I think the first time we met was artist inc yeah like working at artist inc together that that's a really great program i'm glad that it's 
here now. Yeah. And, and that's what I was wondering about earlier with the mentoring type uh-huh. programs. Yeah, I wasn't for sure if you'd been in that. Yeah, I did, no. and I had forgotten to mention that, but um, Dylan and I were actually to- together in the inaugural class, the very first class ever in Northwest Arkansas of artisting. I think they've had one other class come mm-hmm. through, and um, you know, it's about the business of art. It's about art too, but it's about the business of art. But what I have found the most invaluable is the contacts that I've made, um, meeting other artists and learning that we all have the same concerns. I really thought coming into it, I was so worried that I wouldn't be able to, to cut it. You know, I wouldn't be able to be the level of the other artists in in the class. And I think the first class we had we all shared what our worries were, and I was mm-hmm. stri- I, I was stricken by how similar they were. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, very established artist, and they had the same concerns that I had, and I. So the contacts were huge, and I wouldn't be sitting here today if yeah. I hadn't gone to <laughs> if I hadn't gone to artisting. So yeah. it has had a it's had a huge effect on on my life and my art practice, um, more so than just what we learned in the lessons, but plugging into that community yeah I would agree with that a lot it's definitely contacts and and, and it was surprising how similar a lot of our concerns and or aspirations all around were yeah and and how open everyone was with wanting to work with each other yes yes. it's still there it's and I hope that program continues oh I hope it does too there's so many people who were in our class that I still want to collaborate with and you know I'd be some people that were in our class I exhibited in my gallery you know Angie Teeter and Ed Pennebaker and um that that was really flattering to me that some you know they're very established and sometimes internationally exhibited even and they came in and, and exhibited their art yeah. in my little studio in downtown Rogers so it's really flattering to me. Yeah, it was it, it was interesting meeting people and and, and learning about uh, everyone and, and and like I and I'm sure you're the same way. You knew their work, but you didn't know them. And then yeah. seeing that contrast or those similarities in the work to them as a person. Uh, it, it was it, it's pretty interesting. Uh, it is. <clears throat> so um, projects that you've been working. I know we were talking earlier before we started setting up uh, <clears throat> about this common thread that you've started to connect all your pieces together with, like all, all your exhibitions. Um, what what is that common connection? I think the common connection for all of my work is and this has really just come together in my mind in the last few months, is that I believe art heals hearts. And I believe that art can be used as a vehicle for personal growth, um, for the subject, for the person making the art, in my case, the, the image maker, the photographer, and for the viewer. And so I try to whenever I make my art, it's a very emotional experience for everyone involved, and I believe that comes through on the other side whenever the viewer views the art. Mm-hmm. And so, arts healed my heart, and my healing happened with my very first project ever in 2015 called The Hostage Project, and when I conceived it, I had no idea that that's what the effect was going to be, but that was kind of me getting over some things that have happened to me in my life with domestic violence by helping other women get over mm-hmm. similar issues. And it also helped me, well, I, I made my process with that, and then I've 
had several other projects that are either finished or still in progress since then and I've noticed that I kind of always go back to that process that I basically made up on that in that first project mm-hmm. and it works every single time. I watch my myself change and I watch the people that I'm working with heal and prosper in their lives and mm-hmm. to me that's just that's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing I've been curious about when you're talking about the process, and one thing I always see with photography, because myself, when I've worked on projects and I've had a model or something, is trying to figure out how to communicate mm-hmm. what's in my head yeah. to the model or what the overall focus of that is. How do you how do you go about doing that? How do you help communicate with who you're working with to kind of help find a balance between what they want and what you want and still make that final piece work. Well, I think that my, um, I think that my business has helped a lot with that in that, you know, I've been in business for eight years for the first couple of years. I was shooting everything, you know, for years before that I was shooting either for free or nearly free or to, to buy equipment. And I think that, um, it helped me learn how to communicate with my clients. Mm-hmm. So a couple years in, I decided to f- focus my business on intimate photography for women, boudoir photography. And because it's a very intimate setting, you have to learn how to communicate with your words because you can't really be touching mm-hmm. your model and moving them around so much. I mean, I do some, but I try to respect their space because mm-hmm. it is an intimate setting. And so I've learned to be very... Um, descriptive with my words whenever I'm um, teaching them to pose. Mm -hmm. Um, Another part of my process is that I don't ever put somebody in front of my camera without some backstory. Mm -hmm. Um, Even when I shoot boudoir, whether I do fine art, I've sat down with that person. I've talked to them about their concerns. I've talked to them about what their intention with their experience with me is going to be, you know, where do you want to go? How do you want to be when this is over? Mm-hmm. And um, so it has to do with the, the preparation and then has to do with me having, um, having had the experience to direct a model. But then the thing that I do that I don't know if other people do it, I bet they do, um, but I use visualization in my mm-hmm. practice. So I'm a little bit mystic. <laughs> I'm a little bit, I, we call it the woo-woo in our house. But sure. um, we, we spend some time visualizing in that space when the, whenever the images are being made. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that comes through on the other side. Mm-hmm. And then it also, it also heals and helps the, the subject and myself whenever we're working on it. Yeah, it's just always found something so interesting. It's like you're having to communicate. Well, in the uh, beginning, I think my photographs were really surfacy, And I think it takes time to grow, no matter who you are as an artist or what your medium is. I think in the beginning, you're experimenting. You're trying to find your way. And thing, I don't know how to describe it other than it's just kind of on the surface because you have so many things going on at one time as a photographer you you're worried about light and you're worried about mm-hmm. your camera settings and then you have to direct your subject and all this stuff and when you've done it for so long that my camera is literally a an extension of my hand and I can change my settings without really even thinking about it or looking it's so second nature that now I can 
concentrate on directing my model and leading them through an emotional process because I don't have to use that brain space for the technical part so much anymore. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of shifting back and forth yeah. through those different things. That's cool. So um, what kind of, what are what's something upcoming that you have working on right now? That I'm working on projects or anything that may people can come come out go out and see. Well, I don't have anything local right now that's being exhibited, but I do at this for for just this week. If you're in Denver, Colorado, you can go to Core <laughs> Art Space um, in downtown in downtown Rogers in downtown Denver, and uh, one of the hostage project entitled Perpetrated is hanging there. Um, and then I just got accepted to. Um, I think it's called Emerald Art Center in Springfield, Oregon, with um, one of the images from my Awakening the Divine Feminine series. And so that's not hanging yet, but I don't have anything local right now. I did have a show um, in June, at the end of June, at Stage 18. And so that was the first time I'd ever showed in Fayetteville. And I was really excited to kind of get a new crowd. <laughs> so how did that reception, how did everything Oh my go gosh, it was so well attended. I was blown away, which it wasn't just me. I was paired with Christina Mariotti, which she has an incredible draw, an incredible yeah. following. Um, and I think that was kind of the intention was to pair someone who was really well known in the area with someone who maybe wasn't so that both of our people could come together and see both of our styles and both of our art. What do you say, I mean, you, you this has just been sort of an ongoing learning process for you. Like you said, you didn't go do all the you know, college route, the mm -hmm. academic kind of art thing. So, I mean, a lot of this, it's trial and error for you, and it seems like with what you're doing now, you're putting yourself out there facing rejection with applying to these Absolutely. residencies and, you know, different galleries. Uh, what do you do to, like, keep your head straight in that, to, like, you know, if, if you get turned down or something, how do you keep your head up? Um, I remind myself first and foremost that it's a numbers game. So the more thing, th more things that I apply to, the more opportunity I have to be accepted, and the more odd, the better my odds are of being accepted. Um, honestly, I don't take criticism well. I'm just not someone who takes it well, and so I have to, I have to breathe and step back and and absorb it. But way back when I first started my fine art career um, with the hostage project which was a nude project and it was pretty in your face because she's bound in every image she has a way of escape but she's bound and she's nude and there's some there's some really hard things to look at in that project and I got some pushback and you know I I've had people say you know, this is smut, this is trash, and it super, super affected me, um, and after I got over the, the irritation of, of having been, quote, reprimanded, then all it did was make me more determined to mm -hmm. put out what my vision was, because it's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. um, all of my art doesn't come from me. It comes from what my husband and I call the cosmic data stream. And um, the universe, whatever you want to call it, but there is there is an infinite source of all knowledge and source of all, source where everything lies. And when I take time to plug into that, that's where my inspiration comes from. So really, nothing I do comes from me. I'm just the conduit that mm -hmm. that it flows through from the cosmic data stream to the world. There you go. <laughs> uh, that's cool. So, what do you think? Um, where do you think photography is going? 
in the future like what do you think visually or thematically do you think photography itself is going well I, I do look outside of me a lot, but I'm really picky with who I look at because early in my career, I looked at so many people that it just kind of made me confused. So <laughs> I may, it's a big, do, big, it, it's a big world art world. There's a lot to look at, <laughs> but, um, it, so, I mean, I have a narrow view and I want to, I want to make that clear, but where I personally see it going is backwards and forwards at the same time mm -hmm. because you've got your people who are throwing back to the to the roots of photography mm -hmm. you know like our friend Chris mm -hmm. you know yeah. he's using the old cameras and he's using processes that are hundreds of year, hundred years old mm -hmm. um, and then you have people like Brooke Shaden who um, you know she spends 15 20 30 hours on one photograph and has all of this post process and as um, as technology gets better and better, it's going to, it's going to increase the uh, ways that we can manipulate mm -hmm. photographs and what we can do to make them look this way or that way. One thing that the world is glutted with photographs mm -hmm. because we can take yeah. photographs on our phone. I mean, you can get some really good looking stuff on your phone, um, but so I believe that for photography to stand as an art, it has to have emotion involved mm -hmm. because the world is glutted with photographs. There's so many photographs out there. We're, we're every day. I mean, if you thought about how many photographs you even see in a day. Right. Um, so I think that, I think that going forward, photography is going to have to be an emotional experience. It's going to have right. to be paired with something that makes you think and makes you feel as opposed to just the image for the image's sake. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, it reminds me of um, kind of when when iTunes came out. <laughs> like, there was this digital media stream that was happening, yeah. and it was like people were going back to, and this is kind of talking about, and honestly, I'm going to go in a weird direction, but yeah, people were like, vinyl's the way to listen to music. Yeah. Or things like, there's yeah. no more compressing of the, of the sound files, and, and, you know, that's the same thing with, with, with the, with, uh, photos and like taking a photo and then just posting it to say hey we're eating this croissant mm -hmm. or you know whatever yeah. <laughs> or, or whatever uh, um, whatever art has been drawn into the espresso or latte that you're right. drinking right. and I mean that's cool and I think that I think there's lots of room for art for art's sake um, but I, I just I feel like for photography to be meaningful it's got to have a message behind it because we do see we take photographs for granted yeah i mean and how often do you see a photograph that affects you right i think another thing is it's also becoming more tangible because of now this new influx of what those fuji instamax or like the polaroids right, those right. things they are coming back it's just kind of as i was alluding to earlier mm -hmm. like the, the vinyl record comeback that right. happened <laughs> it's right. just people starting to understand well uh there needs to be more to it than just a quick snap right yeah, right and I think that there's a there's a perception with probably people that are not so much into art that photography is easy mm -hmm. and 
it's really not. <laughs> our, our photography issue, I was told to pare back my editor's note by, by my other editors because I kind of went off about how everybody's a photographer now yeah, they because are. it's so accessible. And I'm like, but it's really not that easy. Yeah. And I was told, no. maybe be a little bit nicer about it. And in hindsight, I, I think, Molly, if you're listening, I think you're right about that, uh, <laughs> that I needed to dial it down a little bit. I think it's Molly or Jenny. It was one of them was kind of, maybe it's Jenny. It was just like, eh, dial it down a little bit. But that is the case that, yeah, you're not. I mean, it's just like. I mean, it's easy and it's not. It depends on yeah. what you're doing and how you're doing it, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're just taking a photo of your food for Instagram, which I think there's now a place for that, but. That, I wouldn't consider that art, you know, like that's just, it's a photo and that's cool, but you have to really, do what you're saying, you have to think of a backstory, you have to think of something beyond just the aesthetics of it. There, exactly. It has to go deeper exactly. to, to really make it a interesting, timeless photograph. I agree. Um, preparation, in everything I do, I have to be as far as my art or any photographs I made, I don't do much of anything on a whim. Um, you know, people will say to me, oh, you're going on vacation. Are you taking your camera? And I'm like, well, no. I'm not taking my camera. <laughs> I need a break from the camera. I'm taking my cell phone and I will take photographs on the camera but that are on the phone. But no, I'm not going to do that. Um, the preparation, you know, we were talking about it's easy and it's hard you know for instance this photograph that um that was accepted into the Oregon gallery where um it's called phoenix and she's in front of a bonfire and that took some serious planning i had to find someone with property who had brush who would set a bonfire <laughs> on fire for me and the time of day had to be right and my model had to be there and Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't see that backside of it. You know, you don't see in this photograph, you don't see us waiting for the fire to die down so that I could get some ash and rub it all over her body so that she would look like she just emerged from the ashes and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's it, nothing I do is easy and maybe it's because I complicate it. I don't know. <laughs> it's like the, it's, it's always good to pay attention to subtle details because those subtle details help build that backstory or it's help true. build that I mean, idea. Especially so much there's preparation, but then there's also things that happen divinely, things that happen that you couldn't have predicted. Right. Oh, yeah. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Is there anything else you want uh, that you have coming up or you want to plug? Or Well, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about my art that transcends. Okay. And um, through, through the p past few years and the projects that, that I've done, um, it dawned on me that this is something that the public would want to be involved with or um and i've my my practice in the boudoir studio has always either been life coaching or bordered on life coaching and i was doing it before i realized that's what i was doing because my clients would come to me and in the beginning it was a lot of women who had ish you know had endured sexual trauma or domestic violence or things like that and we were using we we're using the experience for them to heal from that and then that's kind of where my fine art practice evolved from and then I think the next level of evolution for me is that instead of me conceiving a project and then picking someone or talking to someone and conceiving a project with them together collaboratively is that I can invite the public to have this art experience so you can go through a coaching experience with me and have and have a fine art photograph made of you and mm -hmm. 
the ultimate for me would to be to work with a client for six months and do six fine art shoots for them and then at the end have a gallery reception where they could invite their friends and family and let their friends and family see the growth that they've accomplished and see the tangible results of, of the project that they've done. So closing out on, uh, where can we find you? Where can we find your work? Uh, social media handles or websites, mm-hmm. things like that? Well, my website, um, my very, um, my very do-it-yourself website is lanefosterfineart.com. And then um, just on Facebook, me personally, it's Marsha Lane Foster. Then I have an art group on Facebook. Um, it started out as a group for my um, people who helped fund my first project, the Hostage Project, um, to follow what was going on because I had crowdfunded that project. And it, it started out as those people, but it has evolved to just be how to keep up with what I've got going on in my art world. So mm-hmm. everything I post on there has to do with that. And it's a it's a public group, but you do have to ask to join. So mm-hmm. you can just look it up on Facebook, Lane Foster Fine Art, and ask to join, and and I'll let you into the fold, and there then you go. can <laughs> then you, you can see all my all the craziness that I have going on. And also, uh, you have a fantastic podcast uh, interviews setup that you do. Wh- where can people find that? I know it's on Facebook. Yeah, like where- well, I share it on my personal page, and then on also on Lane Foster Fine Art. Um, it's on YouTube. Um, it's actually and it's um, you can more of a video interview, I guess. Yeah, it's I don't even never know what to call it because mm-hmm. it's not really a podcast. It's it's a video interview, and so what we do is we broadcast it on Facebook Live as we're recording it, and then we take the recorded show and cut it into a show and so it's called the freedom dreamer live and our goal is to do it a couple times a month and um, um, have a guest in and I just talk to the guest about you know what they've got going on and um, of, of late I have made the decision to turn it into a show just about art because there's really nothing else that I have several things I'm very passionate about but art is definitely the top of the heap in my life right now and so that's what I want the show to be about and people can actually ask questions live as it's going to. Yeah, they I've can. Yeah, they can ask questions um, on the live feed. Um, and but I don't get so many people that do that. Occasionally I do. Um, but you know, if you, I always do an event ahead of time so that people know when to find it live. Mm-hmm. And you could always send me a question ahead of time if you had it because I always do a, you know a bio of the guest and everything on the event so you know who who's going to be on the on the show and kind of what they're about. Cool. All right, great. Marsha, thank you for coming by. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime.